Hi everyone, I hope you're all well. Thank you so much for joining us today on this instalment of the Inclusive Viewpoint. Our Viewpoint today is with the amazing Izzy Silvers, who we met last year at the We Are The City Awards in London. The We Are The City Awards are founded by Vanessa Philaley OBE, and we were so over the moon to be sat on the table with Izzy. She's a true tra trailblazer and innovator in her field and is always pushing forward her ideas for a more inclusive world. Therefore, we're so honoured to be joined by Izzy today, so let's get started. Hi Izzy, amazing to see you. How are you? I'm good. I'm honoured to be with you too. How are you both? Yeah, we're good. Yeah, yeah. yeah we're doing good. Glad it's Friday. So yeah. that's always good. <laughs> Definitely. Definitely. <laughs> to get started, um, we'd love to hear more about you as an instruction. Yeah, so um, as you said, I'm Izzy Silvers. I am an associate editor at her studio. So we publish everything from Cosmo to Men's Health, Women's Health, Delish, Digital Spy, Prima, Inside Soap, kind of you name the topic, we've got it covered. Um, I work in our commercial content studio. So I work with our brands and with clients to produce really engaging content that's sponsored but still really fits within our brand style. Um, on top of that, I am also co-chair of the company's Bain Network. It was the first network, but certainly not the last. We've since had um, a parent network, an LGBTQ plus network, and a Jew-ish network that started as well. Um, and I'm also a key part of Hearst Diversity and Inclusivity Steering Group. Wow, <laughs> you've got a lot of things going on that are all absolutely incredible. So we're so excited to hear a bit more about them. So the first question I wanted to ask, so we're really passionate about, you know, sharing examples that we can all learn from and really driving forward an inclusive industry. So I wondered if you could share, you know, any brands, it could be journalists, you know, media, publications, you know, it could be anyone or anything that you can think of who have really shown examples of putting inclusivity at the heart. Big question. <laughs> I think I, I think the thing that I would say kind of before I go into my examples is that I don't kind of see things as one person or one brand or, you know, I, I think one inclusive campaign is amazing, but it doesn't always equal inclusivity behind the scenes. So I think there are loads of good things that brands have done um, and some of them might be crazy inclusive behind the scenes and that's amazing. But for some of them, they've still got some way to go. But I do see, you know, there is a lot of debate over whether it's um, trying to put an inclusive face on something that's not actually that great behind the scenes but I think there are positives to be taken from that and it could be not a means to an end but you know it's representation for someone who might then see that and might feel better about themselves even though the company still has issues that they need to work on um, but in terms of brands I think Nike is perhaps one of those I think campaigns that they've done the ways that they choose to align themselves with um, anti-racism in sports particularly the representation that they have in their adverts especially their UK adverts I think always do a great job of representing their true consumer um, and I think that's amazing. Channel 4 as well, I remember their, um, I think it was the Superhero Paralympians advert wow. which was incredible, amazing and again just gave 
disabled people um, or if they prefer to call themselves differently abled you know gave people with certain needs that representation that they've never seen before and for children as well to be able to turn on the tv and see people who look like them being celebrated is amazing um, in books you've got a publisher like dialogue books who um, Charmaine Lovegrove heads that up and she publishes the most incredible BAME voices and a lot of those intersectional as well so they might touch on LGBTQ issues again might touch on disability and that's really important in terms of magazines I think I think ASOS magazine I don't know if it's closed now but ASOS magazine I always used to love dropping through my front door and I remember I would always used to buy on ASOS and then return it just so I'd keep getting the magazine <laughs> again just the faces and the skin colors and the body shapes and the personalities that I was seeing in there were just really representative and really inclusive I think it goes without saying as well that Vogue is doing amazing stuff Edward and Vanessa and the rest of the team there as well ever since he's come to the helm I've seen big changes and that's in terms of race and age and size so I think that's really important um but also I do think at Hearst we've done some good stuff um I think Cosmo is one of our kind of shining light brands um I know Paisley Gilmore, who is the Sex and Relationships Editor. Personally, she's a friend, but you know, even before we kind of got to know each other, her work on making that sex relationships and love section so inclusive, whether it's with just the stock images that she's choosing to use or the stories that she's trying to tell. I think Cosmo have always been amazing and putting Tess Holiday on the front cover as well, putting Jonathan Van Ness, obviously someone who is non-binary on the front cover, I think, yeah, I think Hearst brands do. We have a we have a claim to stake, but yeah, like I said, with all these different brands, there's so many different places and a lot of young journalists as well surfacing these stories, but no one's perfect and everyone always has room to grow. Yeah, no, definitely. And that's what we wanted to do with the inclusive view point. So it's so important to share those examples and making sure those examples, you know, turn into the norm every day, like at the forefront of every decision. So I think you've given us so much examples there. <laughs> yes, definitely. Definitely. <laughs> a lot to think about. So that's brilliant. So I'm really excited to ask this next question, Izzy, because I know you've got so many incredible examples to share with us. So would you have to share some of the initiatives you've been working on that are really driving forward inclusivity? You know, it might be previously, currently or what you've got planned coming up? Yeah, so I think it all started um, at a company called Creative Access. So I think they're a charity, actually, not a company. Um, But Creative Access aims to help ethnic minority candidates get into media. Mm -hmm. And they um, place a lot of people in book publishing, in um, TV production, in radio as well. And they had one, they had a couple of placements at different magazines, but they had one in particular at InStyle magazine, which has folded now, unfortunately. Um, <laughs> but I was, you know, I'd been looking all over everywhere to try and get my first paid internship. And InStyle was that one, although I got it in a roundabout way. Um, I, you know, I happened to be in creative access, but the job had already been hired, but the person had to leave. So then I was interning there and then they offered it to me. So it was all, you know, a big crazy way to get the job. But through Creative Access, um, it was there that I really started to find my voice and to 
form my opinions and to understand about kind of diversity and inclusivity, specifically in relation to race, but it really sparked me thinking about everything and how intersectional everything needs to be in order to be inclusive. Um, they used to hold monthly panel talks and events and networking and just through meeting and hearing all of those amazing people, I really started to see that I have power in media. I have privilege to be able to make a change. Um, I also have privilege by being a, you know, fair skinned, ambiguous ethnicity, you know, someone who for a lot of black women if they went in and probably said some of the things that I did they'd have been called aggressive told to watch their tone told to you know all that bs um but yeah I had a privilege I had power and I had a responsibility to make change so in style I started to um suggest things that we should write about and things that we should cover and feature so I was the digital and features assistant I kind of flipped between those two roles so I would write for the website and I would pitch, hey, why don't we write about this influencer instead of this one? Or why don't we talk about Diwali? Why don't we do this? Um, so did some of that there. Um, but getting to Hearst, I think three and a half, three and three quarter years ago now, um, really was a, a big change for me. Um, and it's been... I can't put it into words kind of what it's done for the way that I've been able to make a difference um, and again I very much see it as my responsibility to do that um, so I remember when I joined we had just had a new CEO um, he's called James Wildman he likes to say wild by name wild by nature um, but he is he's amazing um, he and I'm not just saying that because he's my CEO <laughs> He has time for you no matter who you are so you could be the editor-in-chief of one of our biggest magazines or you could be the IT assistant he has time to sit and listen to you and hear what you have to say and I found that um, very different to other CEOs that I've had and I think it's really positive why is that you know why are the inside of our magazines not as representative you know what what can we do as a company and what are we doing as a company to make this change her set up our first steering group so as a steering group, we have been going for about two and a half years or something like that. And we review and have reviewed and continue to review all of our processes and kind of all of our systems to make sure that we are being inclusive. And that's everything from editorial to commercial to recruitment to, um, you know, even having a say on like toilets and whether they were going to be gender neutral and all that kind of stuff. So we as a steering group we work to make sure that we're driving that commitment to belonging and also as a steering group we do a lot of fun stuff as well so we have hosted the company since two and a half years ago you know it was the very first cultural celebration that the company had ever hosted internally we did chinese new year um, and now we've done panels for pride we marched in pride last year which was a huge thing um we have marked Black History Month, um, Eid, Diwali, 
Jewish New Year, you know, all of that kind of stuff we are celebrating and as well as bringing people together and it being fun, because trust me, the cues for the food are ridiculous whenever we cater. Um, <laughs> but also it hopes to educate different people and just show them, hey, this is why Diwali is important or this is why Pride is still a protest and not always a party. Um, we just had a, a drag evening over Zoom at home actually for Pride. So that was really fun. <laughs> Um, so that was a long answer for Hearst, but also as well as that, um, Dion Maxwell is our diversity, inclusion and belonging lead. She is incredible and she has taught me so much and working with her has been a privilege for me. Um, she set up our Hearst Bain network, which is the company's very first network. Um, as I said, we've now got more, which is great, but Hearst Bain was the first, the OGs. Um, <laughs> And I now co-chair the BAME network and that aims to lift up BAME people in the company, um, to get them developing professionally. We've hosted like LinkedIn sessions on how to smash your profile. Um, but we also do fun stuff like we've got a book club coming up next month and we've done a film screening of Michelle Obama's Becoming documentary. Um, we've taken people to see early screenings of Crazy Rich Asians. You know, everything we do is, is bringing that fun and that education together so that people are exposed to different cultures and the LGBTQ network, you know, doing the same because inclusivity is not all about ethnicity and race, but you know, we have to do what we can do and I'm only one woman. <laughs> so everyone else, you know, is doing their part as well. And then just more generally, um, in my team, every team I'm always in, I'm always working to raise inclusivity as a topic. And my, um, her studio, my team, I've noticed such a difference. And I'm not saying that that's because of me. It's because of everything that's been happening. Um, just in the way people speak and think about stock images and think about language and wording and you know does it always have to be a white model does it always have to be an able-bodied model all that kind of stuff um so that's been amazing you know I'm always happy to share my learnings and give advice to young aspiring journalists as well I just I'm all about sharing is caring <laughs> I, I want to work at Hearst now I feel like you're so, you're so, so great <laughs> even more now, so definitely. and you'll get free samosas so I think that's so important what you said you know about the steering group and how you go in looking at the processes because I think one of the issues that comes up time and time again is you know an industry like isn't built to be diverse you know it isn't built to be inclusive so I think the fact that you're reviewing those processes and kind of you know smashing that down and saying no we're reviewing them we're changing them I think that's so important and, and so it's an industry-wide thing as well like it's in PR it's in magazines it's in TV it's it's in everything you know like me being able to intern for free as much as I did is only because my grandparents live in this house in London. Without that, I don't know what I would have done. If I'd have had chronic fatigue syndrome or a disability, how would I have been able to cope with, you know, delivering samples all over London and fashion returns? It's, yeah, it's an industry-wide problem and it's something that everyone, we all need to look at, but it's hard to know the solution sometimes so we can all just kind of do the best we can and try 
yeah no I think that's so true I think it's why it's so important like you said to share those perspectives because it's one of those things like you don't know what you don't mm. know and like unless you ask the questions unless you expose yourself you're not going to know because I know that we've been to events sometimes mm. like you know fashion events business events and you know there's loads of stairs and Laura can't walk up mm. loads of stairs and it's just something people don't think and like you don't think as well about other things so like you said it's so important to share and open your mind to it isn't it and then be active once you realize so I think that's an amazing point oh, isn't absolutely, it? Yeah, yeah no definitely so the next question it's another big question sorry to say. Um, <laughs> but it's more broader so you know what does inclusivity mean to you personally and what does you know an inclusive industry look like to you like what are you working towards what's that big picture yeah as we've kind of talked about already inclusivity means that there's, oh, there's so many great, I don't have them like embedded in my brain, but there's so many great kind of explainers um, on Instagram that just kind of show that diversity, inclusivity and belonging are not all the same thing. Um, you can be diverse, but it doesn't mean that you're inclusive. Like you can have a seat at the table, but it doesn't mean anyone's listening to you. So inclusivity means that everyone no matter what's you know what makes themselves up because we're all made up of so many different things like I'm a woman I am South Asian I'm Indian I'm mixed race I'm from Birmingham so I say last instead of last like you know we're all made up of all these different things I have anxiety that's another thing that affects me that doesn't affect someone else but I'm straight so someone else had you know we all have different things and it's important for us all to feel like all of that is accepted um not if you're like a serial killer i've been watching the fall so just (laughs) 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 all of the parts of you that you can't control um and i want to be cautious because i don't want to say something that comes across in the wrong way but so call me out if you need to but i think it i think it is all those things that you can't control um or you shouldn't have to control being accepted um and it's if you want to if you want to use different pronouns that should be absolutely fine there should be no problem with that if you are in a wheelchair you should 100 percent be able to do everything that someone who is not in a wheelchair should be able to do at your work and at your company um but that you know that's internal um external it means that you should be represented and again all of those different sides of you should be represented I think sometimes it's easy to get into a place where we show disabled people as heroes and superheroes and even I just said it earlier you know with the Paralympic advert but they should just be be they should just be um and that's what I love I think I mentioned or um I'll say it again because I think she's amazing but Paisley at Cosmopolitan Um, She does an amazing job of just all of her articles and features, the ones that she edits and commissions. If it's about how to know whether to break up with someone, it's not always a man and a woman. Um, You know, it's about making differences that we have incidental rather than a big deal. So it's about in a dating feature, I keep using the example of a wheelchair, but you know, having someone who is in a wheelchair just in a dating feature having someone in a hijab just in a fitness feature it's about you know all of these things just 
existing without them being like, look, look, she's Indian. Look, look, she's like this or they're like that. It, it's, yeah, it's making it normal. Um, and I think just going back internally again, well, they kind of tie together. So the more representation we have, I really believe that you need to see it to feel like you can be it. So the more representation we have, the more people are going to be like, oh, maybe I could work there the more people we're gonna get moving up. Cause at the moment we've got a lot of great people in entry level jobs. Um, I think things are changing and that's one way we can see that. But you know, we also have some amazing people in high power jobs. So at Hearst, you know, we have Effie who's our head of, um, or she might be like director of PR and communications. Sarinda Simmons is our um, head of people team across UK and Europe, but there's not enough. And we need people in the middle as well as at the kind of entry point and at the top as well. Yeah, no, definitely. I think like you said, it's like get moving away from that tokenism element. Cause I think it, like it kind of still feels like we're at that point. So like you said, like flipping that on the head and saying, no, it's normal. Like you can turn over a magazine and it's not like a token kind of gesture. So I think that's honestly such a good point. I think you hit the nail on the head there, definitely. Um, so the final two questions. So we really wanted the inclusive viewpoint to be about action as well, which I know you're all about as well. So the first one we wanted to ask from your opinion, what still needs to be done and can be done at industry level to really create a fully inclusive fashion industry? Yes. Um, <laughs> again, there's, there's so much. Um, and I'll always, I, I mean, I'm assuming, or I hope you've read why I'm no longer talking to white people about race. Rennie Edo Lodge's incredible book. And when she was promoting it, um, and I think she says it in the book as well, the one thing that she always said was, I can't tell you exactly exactly what to do because I don't know your sphere of influence. Mm -hmm. I don't know who your friends are. I don't know who your family are. So I think it's important for everyone who heads up companies and for everyone regardless. Every, I think everyone who manages, mm -hmm. everyone who leads a team, everyone who has an influence, it's up to them to think, right, what could I be doing in this particular role, in this particular company, to make a difference? So it's about, it's hard, but it's about understanding your own biases. And we all have them. I will always veer towards making sure um, there's a lot of ethnic representation. After that, I'll go to sexuality and gender identity. But one thing I'm really working on is disability representation because that's a point where I need to get better at. And it's understanding that we all have unconscious bias. It's not, it's not a bad thing if you know it and check it. Mm -hmm. It's a bad thing when you let it go and don't ever challenge it. But it's not a shameful thing to say you've got unconscious bias. We all have it. Mm -hmm. So it's about kind of knowing your bias, knowing your, um, and even just then, I was going to say knowing your blind spots, but that again is something that could be take, not taken the wrong way, that's the wrong phrasing, but could be offensive to someone. So it's, it's also about listening. Yeah. It's about listening when you don't have that experience and taking someone's opinion on board. So, you know, I've experienced microaggressions throughout my life at loads of different places. I've experienced outright racism as well. But if I've said to someone, hey, just by the way, did you know that this could, you know, make me feel like this or make someone else feel like that? It's about listening and having that conversation. Mm 
-hmm. um, it's about not expecting everyone to come to you in terms of recruitment. Yeah. If you're if you're saying, oh, we only had um, one non-white candidate apply for this job, why is that? Is it because you didn't search hard enough? Is it because your company website is all white? Is it because you've had negative story? You know, it's all of those things. Um, and it is about hard work. It's, it's hard. It's hard to undo systems and processes that have been in place for years and years and years. Nepotism that has been rife throughout the whole industry, whole of media, whole of fashion. I'm sure it's the same in, you know, food and restaurant. I'm sure it's the same in everything, but it's about working harder and pushing yourself to research, do your Googles as Dion likes to say. Um, understanding what you can do and putting it into practice and so I, I think the last thing I would say on that as well is it's about getting comfortable being uncomfortable mm -hmm. so, again if, if I ever do anything that is um, offensive I would prefer someone to tell me and I need to swallow my pride and say okay I apologize for that I, I didn't know better or I should have known better and I'm sorry yeah. It is about getting comfortable being uncomfortable and, you know, knowing it's a good thing that you're doing. You can defend yourself to the hills if you want, but you're, you're, who wants to make someone feel bad? Who wants to make someone feel uncomfortable and like they don't belong? I just don't know why anyone would want to do that. Yeah, so we were thinking about this the other day, yeah. weren't we? Because, you know, we think about inclusivity, like the opposite is like excluding somebody. So like, why would you ever, you know, we think about it like that. Why would you ever want to do that? Do you know what I mean? And I think, and I think that's where some people feel hurt and they feel defensive because they don't know that they're excluding someone. Yeah. Um, and when someone does come to them and say, did you know that by doing this, you could be excluding people by this? Um, it, it's, it hits your pride, like it hurts your pride and it hurts your feelings if you feel like you're a good person. But it's just all about swallowing that pride. Like when you have the opportunity to make someone's life a little bit better or make them feel more included, why wouldn't you? Yeah, no, I think that's summed up perfectly, definitely. I think the final question we wanted to ask, you probably touched on it then, but I really liked what you said about, you know, fashion media and how, like, it has such influence. And I do feel, like, with fashion as well, like, you know, people wear clothes every day and, like, yeah. you know, I mean, it has such power to create a positive change. So we wanted to ask you, you know, at an individual level, you know, level, you know, at a consumer level, what can people be doing day to day to really create, you know that inclusive industry that they want to see so I think um we have seen it quite a lot coming out on social media and we all have opinions on social media sometimes does as much harm as it does good um and there's also kind of a question of like performative activism but again I kind of see means to an end let's get great businesses out there so the first Saturday of every month for the rest of the year, I believe, is Black Pound Day. Mm -hmm. um, and that is a campaign to encourage people to shop Black-owned businesses. Mm -hmm. um, I will send you links after this of great Black-owned businesses and um, kind of directories of Black-owned businesses um, that you could post alongside this would be amazing. Oh, because yeah it's all about again going back to knowing what your sphere of influence is so like you said we all buy clothes we could all look to shop more sustainably by only shopping secondhand 
um, that is something I'm trying to do a lot more. But when, you know, that, again, that's not inclusive for everyone because for a lot of people who are of certain sizes, mm -hmm. they can't shop clothes in those, in charity shops because it's unlikely they're going to get something that's great for them and they deserve to feel great as well. So um, if you buy, like for me, for example, greetings cards, I've made a real effort to buy from a black owned company that I will send to you after this as well. Um, when it comes to toiletries as well, like I've been trying to look for black owned places or BAME owned or LGBT owned, you know, just shops and companies that are more independent and owned by people who could deserve, could do they deserve, yeah, could deserve my support more than like Superdrug, for example. Bookshops as well. I'm trying to make sure that I'm shopping books, not on Amazon anymore. <laughs> I have stopped Amazon, um, but I try and shop independently from black owned businesses um you know it's i think show your activism with your wallet mm -hmm. so when you want to and we're, we're all one person right so not i can't i can try but i can't support all trans businesses all lgb lgb and then everything else businesses all ethnic minority owned businesses i can't do that but if every one of us just stopped and we're a little bit more conscious we could all play a big part in that and then I think um, the other thing that we can all do to create a fully inclusive industry is know what we can do, raise it, use our privilege and use our voice. Always, where it's safe, call out racism, homophobia, um, biphobia, whatever, Islamophobia, whatever it might be, don't stand for it. So if you feel, and I do have to flag, you know, be safe. Mm -hmm. but if you feel safe in a company and it doesn't have to be there and then so if someone says something in a meeting I could always follow up with them in an email and just explain why something they said could have been hurtful um but stand up because it's tiring as an ethnic minority mm -hmm. and I'm sure as a disabled person a gay person whatever it might be it's tiring to always have to be the one to stand up for yourself and to know that you've got people who would do it for you because I do believe that we all hopefully know right from wrong. Maybe not some of us, but hopefully all of us. <laughs> um, but I do believe that, you know, we all have a power to say something and make a change. And it means a lot when someone stands up for you. It means a lot when someone says, hey, that's not okay. Um, I don't need that this person who's already gone through that trauma to re-go through it again to bring it up and raise it. Um, but yeah, so th those are kind of the two main things that I really try and do and that I would love other people to do is, yeah, shop, shop, shop with your activism in mind um, and just call it out. Don't stand for it. Don't let it continue anymore. No, they're absolutely amazing. I think that's a theme that's come out of these interviews so far is like each and every one of us like is an activist. It doesn't matter, you know, if you have one follower, if you tell your mum, if yeah. you tell like anybody, like that has a massive influence. Mm. And like you said, like shopping, like if we all did that, that would make a huge difference. Like following, liking on social media, like we all have a massive power together. So I think that's such an important absolutely. message, isn't it? Yeah. No. So yeah, that was all our questions. Is we just want to say a massive thank you and just speaking to you, it gives us like so much hope, doesn't oh, it? So absolutely. much excitement and so much like, inspiration about the future of like fashion media and you know you leading the way for a fully inclusive industry. So just want to say a massive thank, thank you. you and hopefully we can meet up in person next time. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> No, definitely. Thanks so much, Thank Izzy. You. Thank you so much. We'll see you soon. <laughs>